ancient Thanksgiving story. I want you to hear from the perspective of a man from Jesus' day. One more night. Give me one more night, and then tomorrow I'll deal with it. I promised myself, I just need one more night. And it was such a great evening. My wife made a nice dinner for our little family. I played with my three children all evening. The time flew by, and when their mom said, it's time to put the kids to bed, I said, oh, honey, just a few more minutes. We're having so much fun. Can we just have a few more minutes? I hugged each one of them tightly as I put them in their bed and pulled the covers around them. And then I went in and laid down beside my wife. She thought it was odd that I wanted to talk so much. Usually when my head hits the pillow, I begin snoring, or so she says. I don't know if it's true, but that night was different. I couldn't stop telling her how much I loved her and how much she meant to me. But she was so tired from the work of the day that she kept falling asleep. And I would bump her and wake her back up and talk a little more, and she kept falling asleep. I laid there for hours, unable to sleep, just holding her close to me as the tears ran down my face. Finally, an hour before dawn, I got up. I went into my kids' room, and I sat down in the corner of their small room and just watched and listened to them breathe. I honestly didn't know that it was possible to love someone as much as I love them. But did they really know it? I'd been so busy just trying to put food on the table and a roof over their heads to provide the things that were necessary for life. I had missed a lot of opportunities to show them that I loved them. All kinds of thoughts kept racing through my mind that morning. It started as a blemish on my skin that would not heal, and before long, it began to spread. I hadn't given it much thought at first, but lately these feelings of dread would make me sick on my stomach when I awoke. I didn't say anything to my wife because I didn't want her to worry or be afraid, but it had been spreading, and I knew it was not right to hide it any longer. As hard as I tried that morning, I could not stop crying. Not just for me, but for them. You see, in an hour, I would leave the house and would go and present myself to the priest. If what I suspected was true, their lives and mine would never be the same again. The simple things like holding my son would be off limits to me. I didn't want to subject my wife and children to the prejudice and scorn of this awful disease. Our family faced enough prejudice already as Samaritans. You know, they consider us half-breeds. As much as I hated to admit it, maybe their lives would be better without me. I decided that if it was true, I would just disappear. Move away somewhere so that my family did not have to bear this awful stigma attached to them. And so that they didn't have to watch what this awful disease would do to my body. I wasn't alone. Scenarios like mine played out again and again across Israel. I ended up living outside of a town in the region bordering Samaria and Galilee with a group of nine others who were stricken with my same plight. During the time that we were there, there had been talk about this man called Jesus who was traveling throughout the country, healing the sick and doing miracles. We heard that he was coming our way. And I said, if that Jesus ever comes by here, 
I want to see if he'll heal me. Maybe he'll listen to me. What did I have to lose? Well, one day, Jesus did come traveling towards Jerusalem. He was about to enter into the town in which we lived outside of when we saw him, and I began to yell out, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon me. Have pity upon us. Now, we didn't dare to go too close. We stayed at a distance because of our condition. You see, we were outcast. It really doesn't matter too much what we had been. Our lives before, they were all changed on the day we discovered we had leprosy. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, Jew, Samaritans. We were all now in the same boat. We were all outcast. We were all forgotten. We were all overlooked. We were an inconvenience. We were lepers. In my day, no leper could live in a walled town. Wherever I was, I was required to have my outer garment torn as a sign of deep grief. I had to shave my head and to cover my beard with my mantle as if in mourning for my very own death. I had to warn those who passed by to keep away by shouting, unclean, unclean. When Jesus saw us, he didn't turn away or ignore us like so many others did. He didn't look away from our ugly sores and the disfigurement the disease caused. He didn't stare. In fact, he walked right up to us and looked me in the eye. Do you know how long it's been since somebody looked me in the eye? It's been years. I understood. Because before I was stricken with this dreadful disease, I did the exact same thing. I tried to act like I didn't see or hear the people like me. If I did have to talk to them, I would avert my eyes and look at the ground. I didn't want to stare at the ugliness. But not Jesus. He stopped immediately when he heard my voice. And he turned his attention directly towards me. Jesus told us to go and show ourselves to the priest. You see, it was the priest who would examine us. It was the priest who would declare us either clean or unclean. If we had any hopes of being restored to society and restored to our family, the priest held the power within his voice. It was amazing. In fact, it was the most amazing experience that I have ever had in my life. As we started walking, my skin began to clear. Not just my skin, but the nine other guys who were with me, their skin began to clear as well. I was cleansed. We were all cleansed. We were healed. We responded to Jesus' command with obedience. He told us to go and show ourselves to the priest. And as we obeyed, he healed us. Do you know what I noticed? We were not healed when we stood around questioning, should I stay or should I go? We were healed when we obeyed. We were healed when we stepped out in obedience to Jesus' commands. Do you know what I learned that day? I learned that I should always respond to God's goodness. With obedience. Perhaps you remember the story of another popular leper. 
He was hundreds of years before me. His name was Naaman. He was a leper just like me and had been the captains of the army of Syria. He came to the prophet Elisha and he asked him to heal him. Elisha didn't even come to the door, but simply sent his servant with this message. Go and dip in the Jordan River seven times and you will be healed. Naaman was insulted and Naaman was angry. He felt he had wasted his time. Naaman said, don't we have better rivers where I come from? But then his servant talked him into obeying the word of the prophet. And as he obeyed, he was healed. I wasn't the only one healed that day. All 10 of us were healed. When I realized that I had been cleansed, this overwhelming sense of gratitude and thanksgiving began to well up in my heart. I didn't know how else to respond to God's goodness. So I turned around and ran back to Jesus. And I began to praise God at the top of my voice. I threw myself at his feet and began to thank him. Now I know I've not been the only recipient of the goodness of the Lord. And it is still all right today to praise the Lord with a loud voice. It's still all right for us to throw ourselves at his feet and begin to praise and thank him for his goodness towards us. You know what I learned that day? I learned that I should always respond to God's goodness with thanksgiving and gratitude. In the middle of my dancing and celebrating, Jesus stopped me. And he asked me this question. We're not all ten cured. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, he said? Rise and go. Your faith has saved you. I learned that day so that I should always respond to God's goodness with faith. By coming to Jesus, I received something far greater than physical healing. I was also saved from my sins. My nine friends were declared clean by the priest, but I was declared saved by the Son of God. While it's wonderful to experience the miracle of physical healing, it's even more wonderful to experience the miracle of eternal salvation. The problem for many of us is that we don't realize just how good God has been to us. Who was I to expect anything from Jesus? I was a foreigner. I was a Samaritan. I was a man who had a horrible disease. I had a disease that began as a speck and gradually spread over the body, causing terrible sores and swelling. Starting from the skin, this disease, if it takes its ultimate course, eats inward to the bones, rotting the whole body piecemeal. It began small. It spread gradually. It disfigured and destroyed little by little. That sounds like something else that plagues all of mankind. Not just lepers like me. It starts small. It spreads gradually. It corrupts. It degrades. It defiles and disfigures man's inner nature. It has run its entire course. He bears little resemblance to its original design. This defilement makes us unfit to enter the presence of a pure and holy God. Nine of my friends didn't get what God had done for them. Sin wasn't a little pimple on your cheek. It was something that was going to utterly destroy me. Sometimes you just have to remember where you come from. 
Sometimes you just have to remember how good God has been to you. The psalmist wrote years ago in Psalms 107, verses 8, 15, 21, and 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And now as we come back to our present day, here in 2014, did you notice that in the Jesus day, the majority of those who received blessing from the Lord failed to return and give him thanks? The majority of those, according to scripture, all of them obeyed and were healed, but only one came back, only one came back to give thanks. Only one expressed his gratitude for all that Jesus had done for him. I wonder today if the statistics are much different. If they had the researchers we have today, a Barna report would go out with a saying, nine out of 10 people who receive blessings from Christ fail to give thanks in the proper manner. Obviously, this ingratitude has been a common, let me say this, it's been a common sin for centuries. Of the many that receive mercy from God, relatively few, according to this account, return to give praise and to give thanks. How should you and I respond to God's goodness in our lives? We should respond to God's goodness with obedience. And we should respond to God's goodness with thanksgiving and gratitude. And we should respond to God's goodness in faith. During this Thanksgiving season, may I encourage you, as people whose lives have been transformed, as people who have been touched by the grace and the mercy of a loving and holy God, that you don't keep going about your life as normal, but that you stop in your tracks even today, that you spin around and you go back to Jesus and you fall at his feet and you praise and worship him for the grace and the mercy that he's shown to you. If your life would have continued on in the way it was, sin would have utterly destroyed you. You would end up not resembling, not resembling the man or the woman that God has ordained for you to be. But because of the grace and the mercy of God, you and I can come back and know that our sins have been forgiven, that we've been made right with God, that we have peace with God. And we can come back and praise him with a loud voice. And not only can we praise him, but every person that we come in contact with. If your child was healed of leprosy today, if your child was assured to die, what a horrible disease it was. It still goes on in certain parts of the world. Get on the internet, look at the pictures. Stubs for hands, stubs for feet, portions that their nose come off, crazy stuff. It's, it's horrible. Ears gone. I believe that you and I have a responsibility and a privilege to tell everybody that we come in contact with just how good Jesus has been to you. Because although you and I may have never had cancer, he's redeemed us. He's purchased us with his blood. He's transformed our lives. He's given us a new hope and a new future. So as we close, would you stand with me? I want to pray a blessing over you. And this is what I'm going to ask God to do. I'm going to ask that God would allow a spirit of thanksgiving to fill your heart. And I'd like you just for a moment to take 30 seconds and think of where you've been and what God has redeemed you from. I want you to think of where God found you at. 
and just for 30 seconds, allow your mind to take the projection of where your future was headed. Allow God to show you the direction in which you were headed before he rescued you. Would you just take 30 seconds and just do that? And thank him for his goodness to you. Just how gracious he's been. Lord, we thank you. All across this room, would you just take just a moment? Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to lift your voice. Father, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for saving us from our sins. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for picking us up out of the pit and the mire and transforming our lives. Thank you for setting our feet upon the rock. Thank you, Lord, that you've redeemed us from the curse of the law that you purchase us with the blood of your son, Jesus. And you've given us the hope of eternal life, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the redemption through your son in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I pray over this congregation. I know, God, it takes a special revelation. I know it takes a special revelation in a change in a man or a woman's heart to see where Jesus brought them from. How quickly after you've saved us and how quickly after you've done so many good things, it's easy to go on, expect certain things from you. But Father, I pray that in this congregation, I pray that 100% of the people would consistently go back and give you praise. I pray that 100% of the people in this congregation would consistently tell others about how good God has been to them, how kind he has been how he's restored their families, how he's restored their marriages, how he's restored their homes, how he's restored their lives and their peace and their relationship to you. Father, may we be a people this Thanksgiving who are filled with gratitude and praise. And may we never be ashamed to give you thanks. And Lord, I pray when things aren't going our way and we're facing a difficult day that we remember the difficult day that you faced upon the cross for us. And that our hearts would always be filled with praise and gratitude towards you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.